This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today I'm talking with Rachel. His baby daughter, Leah, was born prematurely at about 24 weeks and died 10 hours later. Rachel tells us her story. Did you have any children before you had Leah, Rach? I did. Uh, my son is now 17. Um, I was about three and a half when I got pregnant with Leah. Mm-hmm. So you had um, your son quite early on. Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, I was um, about, yeah, just turned 19 and there was just sort of a ticking clock naturally inside me that was like, if you want to have children, you need to do this now. So I sort of listened to my body and... Um, Amazingly, in hindsight, was able to get pregnant pretty easily with Dante. And how did that pregnancy and birth go? Um, I had some problems with um, my heart and uh, blood pressure. But other than that, uh, it was a normal pregnancy and a totally normal delivery at 39 weeks. Right. And and then you had you had another child. Leah, tell us about that. Yeah, so after I had Dante, tried to conceive again and couldn't, and in the meantime had been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I also had some issues uh, with some of my other reproductive organs. Um, So we decided to go um, on fertility treatment, and there's a bit of a waiting list for that. So sat on the waiting list um, for a few months, and then came my turn and uh, the person I was with at the time and I um, conceived on the third round of fertility treatment with Leah. And how did the pregnancy go? It was totally fine except for lots of throwing up um, (laughs) until uh, about 13 weeks and uh, then something happened that changed everything. So what happened? Um, I was working at a, a, as an events manager at the time. I was uh, running a, a DJ event at a local nightclub. Uh, in the middle of the night, I was cold and nipped down a dark driveway to grab my jacket out of the car. She had a bump, didn't really think of it because bars are noisy. But um, on the way back, I fell over a picnic table that a drug patron had thrown over a fence into the driveway. And um, unfortunately, that caused me to start hemorrhaging internally. So what was it like carrying such a high-risk pregnancy now that you had this problem? Oh, it was, it was incredibly hard. Like, um, they, they fully expected me to miscarry. Um, and it was quite astonishing as we went along that that, that didn't happen. And she was a little fighter and... Um, yeah, um, I found it quite difficult. Um, of course, I had 
still had a preschooler son, and here I was on 24-7 bed rest. Um, it's just the constant stress of, you know, um, is she still alive? Is she doing okay? Am I going to lose her? Are we going to be able to make it? Yeah, just this continual worry, and, you know, it was hard. So after you fell over the table and you went to the hospital, what did they say about the effect of the fall on your pregnancy? Yeah, they expected it uh, to be a miscarriage and were quite surprised um, that there was still a heartbeat there and the actual um, uterine area was, was still intact. The hemorrhaging was sort of in a layer uh, between the placenta and the uterus. Um, there was a doctor, an obstetrician gynecologist there who um, can no longer practice in New Zealand, who um, had a really negative attitude and um, yeah, he he wasn't supportive um, and he didn't give me a very good quality of care. Um, so that made things a lot harder. Um, unfortunately, that sort of came to a head uh, when I had a premature rupture of membranes uh, when I was 17 weeks and um, unfortunately he decided not to give me um, any antibiotics which is the Ministry of Health protocol for the situation because uh, he expected the baby to pass away but uh, Leah still hung in there. And so what was the consequence of that? It I got into the hospital um, because I was deteriorating um, at 22 weeks and um, I started developing really big symptoms of infection. Um, I got mastitis, which at 22 weeks is rather strange. Um, I had a raging infection going on. Um, they gave me antibiotics. Unfortunately, those antibiotics, they found out in the end, um, couldn't treat the infection that I and unfortunately Leah as well um, had got. And so then what happened? Um, I was transferred from Southland Hospital to Dunedin Hospital uh, once they established that I was definitely in labour uh, at 23 and a half weeks. Um, but yeah, it's a very bumpy ride from the cable to the men in the back of an ambulance. So I was sort of um, then admitted to Queen Mary Hospital, which is the maternity part of the Needham Hospital. Um, they were quite concerned about the infection that I had and did some testing. And unfortunately, I had a superbug version of E. coli, uh, which wasn't treatable by any of the antibiotics I've been on and I was in full labour so it was all swings into let's pump her full of antibiotics get those steroids in and try and hold off labour as long as we can uh, but unfortunately um, my waters broke at uh, 24 weeks and she was on her way So tell us about her short life after she was born So Leah was born at 10.36 on April the 12th, 2006. Um, she, it was a natural birth as much as it can be, but the whole paediatric team was gathering in the hallway as, as I was pushing. Um, and of course, they all came rushing in as she was born. Um, I got to see her very, very briefly. They were absolutely stunned that a baby at 
such early gestation was A, breathing by themselves and B, crying. Um, she was quite a little fighter. Um, and, yeah, I got to give her a wee kiss and I put her in her incubator and uh, took her up to the NICU. What did they tell you about her prognosis? They talked to me about that um, in the couple of days before I had her up there. They sort of gave an indication of, of potential survival. Um, that was somewhat hopeful, but that was sort of based on the idea that she wouldn't be compromised in any other way. Um, unfortunately, she was. Um, yeah, they took her up to NICU and she did really, really well initially. Um, she was ventilated, of course. Um, I was really sick afterwards. I uh, managed to get up to see her once. Um, unfortunately, passed out and had to get taken back to my room. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks because it was like the only time that I actually got to see her while she was okay, you know, before I knew that she wasn't going to make it. So what did you do after you were told that she wasn't going to make it? Yeah, they uh, came down to visit me um, and told me that she also was completely riddled with the E. coli infection. Um, her acid levels in her blood were too high and she was in multi-failure and um, her brain was being affected and that um, we needed to come out to NICU and see her and um, talk about turning off her life support. Um, that was just absolutely gutting after fighting so hard. And were you able to spend some time with her? Yeah. Um, they were actually really lovely. They, they, we were allowed to have her out of the incubator with all of her ventilation and stuff and we had some skin on skin time and cuddles for about mm, two hours um, got to give her cuddles, her father got to give her cuddles um, we decided to have her blessed by the co-master that worked at the hospital so that was lovely um, yeah just, just trying to pack in those precious precious moments while she was still alive and after she, after she died, what happened then? Um, she passed away after we removed the life support. Um, unfortunately, because of the circumstances, um, she needed an autopsy. That was, yeah. Initially, they let us bring her back down to my room and I got to cuddle her for a few hours. And then they came and explained that they needed to take her away um, for an autopsy. Um, I'm not going to lie, I uh, went mental. Um, I really, 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 really just could not let her go and couldn't imagine her being by herself. All I wanted was for her to not be by herself. So I was like crying and beating them, you know, is she going to be left alone? Is she going to be cold? You know, like... Yeah, it was really hard that that had to happen. So, yeah, um, I had the unfortunate timing of also being Easter weekend coming up and 
the pathologist was like not sure if I'm going to get this done and the baby back and um, that would have had us waiting in her by herself for four days and that was just unimaginable so we fought and fought and fought and eventually got her back um, in time which was yeah it was it was you know even though it was only her body it was just awesome to have her with me again mm-hmm. and so did you hold a tangy for her but yeah we um strange all, all, all you want when you go into hospital to have a baby is to walk out with your baby in the car seat you know and i walked out with a baby in a in a tiny little cocoon um jumped in the car had ice packs on her pillows looking up the sun shining in from the side and and had the longest drive back home to the cargo ever um got home to friends in Samo lining the street to welcome her home which was so beautiful um, and yeah we uh, held a tiny for her um, it was good to have everybody come and be with us and sit with us and stay with us and to cuddle her and you get to see her and yeah it was it was a really special time so was she then cremated? Yes, um, we we had her cremated, and um, she lives on a shelf um, in my house on a in a wee beautiful little um, chest that I bought for her, and she's always lived in the lounge on that wee shelf, surrounded by all the wee knickknacks I get her for birthdays and Christmases. She'd be fourteen now, but uh, yeah, we get her something. For her birthday and Christmas. So, why do you think she ultimately died? Oh, that was yeah, that was that was a couple of years of hell afterwards because it was one of those continuous circle of of this this lot did wrong, but also these people also did wrong, and this you know um, police. You know, they tried to go after whoever threw the table over as a reckless act, causing death. Um, ACC were investigating the lack of treatment, uh, antibiotic treatment by the, the doctor. Um, or how, yeah, the Health and Disability Commissioner was doing the same. Uh, WorkSafe uh, were investigating that the premises for not having lighting down the driveway. And just uh, all of the investigations and everybody coming back and saying, well, no, they didn't do right, but also. Um, so in the end, it was it was very much, so much of a cluster of so many things going wrong that nothing could be done about any of it, which when you've lost a child can be, um, yeah, it's, it's to have that lack of accountability. So how did your son deal with the death of his sister? Yeah, he um, he stayed with his father through the time that I was in hospital and uh, while I was up in Dunedin and he was only three and a half and um, 
well, he did get to come and be at the tangi and has a photograph of himself with his sister. He doesn't have any actual memory within himself of his sister, um, which is hard for him. He, um, when he was about eight through to ten, he went through this really angry phase of, well, why didn't I ever get to see her? It wasn't fair. Maybe got to see her while she was alive. I don't remember anything. Um, he struggled with that a lot, which is, you know, really understandable. Um, these days, he sort of realises that, you know, everything was crazy and it's not a situation that he could have been a part of. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll always be sad that he never actually got to see her, um, you know, while she was in better in her life. So when you look back over a pregnancy that was uneventful in the beginning but then became very, very traumatic and ended very tragically, what could have been done differently in the way that you were cared for? Oh, um, I think at the time there were some really big issues going on in the obstetrics department at Southland Hospital. There were incidents that involved other babies dying around the same time and a big changeover of staff and the hospital did realise that and acknowledge that and there were very good people who were brought in um, not long afterwards. What should have really happened is that right uh, when my membranes broke and uh, then refilled again um, I should have been immediately put on antibiotics when I got sick um, and then sicker and sicker and sicker despite the antibiotics it really should have been picked up that whatever treatment they were doing wasn't working the needham have always been puzzled as to why no you know, specific testing was done into resistance before I arrived there um, I just think it's really important that hospitals and specialists may have the opinion that this is going to this is not viable and uh, you know this pregnancy is going to end badly but I think that the default position should be let's fight for this baby's life always you know no matter what I think that would make a big difference um, and I hope that that's what they do now Have you had any more children since Leah died? I haven't had any more of my own, um, unfortunately not long after due to more complications. I had to have a hysterectomy, an emergency one, because um, I had another incident of, of bleeding internally, which I realised years later was due to a genetic disorder we didn't know that I had. Um, that only happened um, 18 months after her death and in the middle of more fertility treatment. So that really, really, really derailed my life um, for a couple of years, to be honest. I couldn't cope. I, yeah, I just sort of fell out of, fell out of the world entirely and just was really, really traumatized because I was 24, I'd just had a baby die and now I was never gonna have one again. Um, Life works in funny ways though. Um, I have a daughter, uh, her name's Megan, she is 11, she's my partner's daughter and mine and um, uh, she, you know, she'll never, 
Jimmy who replaced Leah, but um, she is a heck of a gift. Um, and it is, is wonderful to be able to grow the family and experience the love that happens between a mother and daughter despite everything. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story of your devastating loss of your little girl, Leah, but your very heart, heartening acquisition of Megan. Indeed. Thank you for um, letting me tell my story. Awesome. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.